Got a Bible there with you. Put your hand on it. There's one there in the pew. Let's pray. Lord, we look at this book as living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. We look at this book like a loaf of bread, the bread of life. We're going to partake of a one slice today. Help us to taste and see that it is good. May it be filling and fulfilling. May it bring vitality. And may we, Lord, be more like what we eat, the bread of life and the week ahead. Anoint this time together for your glory and speak to us for your servants are listening. And everyone said, Amen. I'm going to read to you today a little passage in Matthew, chapter 20, verse 1 through 16. Jesus is sharing a parable with his disciples. And he says, for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning, probably about 6 a.m., to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius, which is a day's wage for the day, and send them into his vineyard. Three hours later, about, about nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon, and about three in the afternoon, it did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages. Begin with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius, a day's wage. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more, but each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. Those who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for Denarius? Take your pay and go. I, I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. What do we observe here? What are the wages given to these different groups of people, and what tips, wages and tips, what tips can we conclude that make us wiser in our living, more efficient in our living, more successful in the way we live our life, and better stewards of the time, the talent, the treasure, and the opportunities that we have in life. What, what do we glean from this parable? 
Well, first of all, I have a question for you. Where are you? Are you the 6 a.m. crowd that got up early, got their toolbox, and started heading over to the market to stand there at about 5.45, they left the house, got there about 6. Is that you? Uh, in this particular parable, you, you've been a believer for a long time? You go way back. Your first one's there. You precede everyone else, hadn't even got out of bed yet, hadn't even thought about it. Some of these people may not even have gotten home yet. And there you are, 6 a.m. Are you the nine o'clock crowd that uh, got a little more rest, got there when the day is starting, you were hired early, came along and you worked in the heat of the day like the 6 a.m. people? Or are you more the nooner? Are you late in life, the three, the five o'clocker? Are you, are you late in life and not yet come to the party? Because this parable in one respect is about coming to Christ. Some come to Christ late in life, some on their deathbed. I remember one time I had the privilege of ministering to an elderly woman and she was dying. I mean, like she was moments away from dying. Reminds me also of another man, young man that I ministered to in uh, some nursing facility. He was younger in his 40s, 30s or 40s and he was dying. And, and, and he hadn't accepted Christ yet. And I'd go visit him and uh, he kinda knew, you know, why I was hanging around. Like a vulture, you know. <laughs> and I explained to him, he goes, are you here to, to get me saved? And I said, yeah, absolutely. And I come to the conclusion he was afraid. He, he was afraid of the unknown. Isn't that true? We're often fearful most of the unknown. So as I'm driving over there, I'm thinking to myself, He's afraid because he doesn't know what's ahead. So I told him, I said, here's what could happen. You might, might be something along these lines. You're gonna get, to be absent from the body is gonna be present with the Lord. You're gonna get to some kind of uh, access to a throne room. I don't know if it's up a, steps and up a doorway or not. That's what it says in Revelation. But when you get there, you'll peek around the corner and uh, you're gonna see the most incredible laser light show you've ever seen in your life. There's gonna be a, a pool there in front of a throne. It's gonna be reflecting all these sights and sounds. It's gonna be filled with a fragrance of incense and you're gonna see people from everywhere. You're gonna hear music like you never heard it before. And as excited as they are about he who sits on the throne, they're gonna be excited that you show up. You won't go unnoticed. And you're gonna enter into that and you're gonna feel at home. Now, you may have started at, at 4.59 in the afternoon, but you're gonna feel at home. I said, do you understand what I'm saying to you? He said, yeah. He goes, I kinda have an idea now what's gonna happen. And I said, is it gonna happen? He said, yeah, because I'm gonna give my life to Christ right now. And that was my last visit to that nursing home. He died shortly after that. So maybe you're a 459er, I don't know. I don't know what season of life you're in, I don't know if you're late to the party, 
but I want you to know you have an invitation. You have an invitation. That's for sure. I don't know if you're a nooner kind of hanging out idle. You don't have anything else to do, so you go to the market waiting for somebody to hire you, but you're okay if they don't. They never came by, that'd be okay too, because you're gonna hang out with the other nooners. And you're gonna make each other feel better about really not having much to do. And not having much to do really does take other people to help you feel good about not having much to do, because they don't have much to do either, and if you can kind of commiserate together, everybody can get nothing done and feel halfway decent about it. Believe me, I live half my life that way. Why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? It's a great, it's a great question. It's kind of direct, isn't it? Have any of you have been to this church for a while, have you come to the conclusion that I can be direct? Well, it's only because Jesus is direct. Like, it's a direct question. It's not a rhetorical question. He's, not, he's, he's looking for an answer. He really is. Why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? I mean, the answer to that question is, is revelatory. I mean, really, revelatory. If you're a nooner, or if I'm a nooner, or if there's seasons or pockets of our life where we just kind of sit around doing nothing, it's a great question. Let's answer it. That, that verbally out loud, answer it in your own heart. Why, why are we just kind of standing around doing nothing? 2 Thessalonians 3 and 10, for even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. The one who was unwilling to work shall not eat. Wow. How many of you grew up on the farm and probably heard that one? <laughs> you were supposed to be up at 5 a.m. milking a cow or something. Yeah. Okay, so that's kind of the scenario. That's what happened. Well, first thing that we need to understand is that we can come to Christ early on in life when we're seven years old at a puppet show or we can be at our deathbed. It doesn't really matter. As you can see, we all get the same wage. Out of the abundant mercy and grace of God, we all have eternal life. It's not a time thing. Although there is a work thing. You have eternal life, but there's rewards for the work you do. So if you're a, a minute and a half before death, you've probably done less work, about as much as the guy on the cross, the, the thief on the cross. So, so you don't have time to do the work, but nonetheless, you have eternal life. That's good news. Don't wait that long, though. But suffice to say, apart from salvation, there is, listen to me now, an in exhaustible amount of work to do still. An inexhaustible supply of work to do still. And if you have, listen now, if you have any, any mutual sharing of affection between you and Christ, any dialogue, any communication, any, any worship towards him, any understanding of who he is and who he is not, any understanding of his word. If you have any fellowship from being united with, with Christ, it, it, anything whatsoever that's of God between you and him, there, there's something in you that's not 
actually satisfied with idleness. Idleness would have to, on some level, if there's any intimacy between you and God, idleness would have to, some level, it would have to check you up. It, it would have to be a problem for you. Idleness uh, is, is not good. I put it up there with indifference, who, who bows its knee to apathy. Idleness is, is um, see, the day is coming when no man can work. Idleness is not part of the program. We have to understand idleness, and we have to avoid it. Now, that doesn't mean we work ourselves to death. All right, let me give you two words. Retirement. Think of the word. Retirement. You end your job. You retire. The tread on your tire at the last day of your job has gotten smooth and bald. Now you get new tires. You retire. Why? Because you still have a long way to go. You're getting new treads, man. It's not time to take your lame, bald, smooth tires, park them in your driveway, and be idle. You've got distance to travel. Now's the time, man. You've got the time you didn't have before. Now you got to do something with the time, and idleness is not part of the program. Recreation. Recreation. You've got to recreate a new chapter of your life that doesn't include idleness. God is the creator. Where do you think you get creativity from? You've got to recreate, redefine. He's got to inspire you on some level so that recreation and idleness don't hang out constantly together and you spend your life All right, here's the, I'm going to ask the question. Don't answer it because it is super depressing. But we, we kind of caught up after that last song. I got to bring you right back down. How much of your life do you spend on things that don't matter? It's inevitable we're going to do that. And of course, college football matters. Go there. Don't get religious on me. How much of your life do you spend on things that don't matter? Don't use the word spend. Take the word spend out of your vocabulary and throw it in the trash and replace it with the word invest. You guys are investing in your future. You're not spending time in a program. Please. You're investing in your future. We don't waste time. We invest time. We are children of the king. We are filled with answers, insight, creativity, giftedness, anointing. We have skills, we have insight, we have perspectives that the whole world knows nothing about. We can't spend or waste anything. We can't hang out. 
not knowing there's work to be done and be idle waiting for someone to pass by maybe and tell us that he has something for us to do. There's plenty to do. Plenty to do. You've heard me say this before. Idleness will exhaust you. Idleness is not restful. Idleness will rob you of vitality. A Spanish philosopher tells about the Roman aqueduct in Segovia in his native Spain. It was built in 109 AD. Was there any, anyone here born in 109 AD? All right, gentlemen in the back, very good. For 1,800 years, it carried cool water from the mountains to the hot and thirsty city. That's strong. Nearly 60, 60 generations of men drank from its flow. Then came another generation, a recent one, who said, this aqueduct is so great a marvel that it ought to be preserved for our children as a museum piece. That doesn't sound good. We shall relieve it of its centuries-long labor. They did. They laid modern iron pipes that gave the ancient bricks and mortar a reverent rest, and the aqueduct began to fall apart. The sun beating on the dry mortar caused it to crumble. The bricks and stones sagged and threatened to fall. What ages of service could not destroy, idleness disintegrated. You're either on it and you're about the business of living or you're about the business of dying. You're either productive or idle. We make lists constantly of things to do. What are you doing today? Well, I got a list of things I got to get done. Well, start a list of things not to do. It's a whole lot better. It's a lot simpler. Usually you have one or two things on it. Here's a list of things not to do. Go to bed tonight knowing that basically today I was idle. I'm not even tired because I didn't do anything. You see, what these people figured out in this parable is that the work itself, the work itself was a privilege. That the guy that started work at 4.30 missed out. Yeah, he missed out on the heat of the day, but he missed out. Some of you are contractors or work for contractors, and when you drive off the job site, you look in the rearview mirror, and you can tangibly see what happened today. You built a wall. You put in a septic tank. We can't do that in the kingdom of God as much. But there should be some fruit. You know a tree by its fruit. Jesus didn't like idle trees. Let me just put it that way. He wasn't big on idle trees. He was big on fruitful trees. Retirement, recreation, repurposing, abundance of time. The one thing you never have, some of you now have, 
the one thing you guys never had that you now have the abundance of because you don't have any and every other thing that every other person has to do, you don't have to do right now. Invest. This opportunity won't last long enough in one respect. We have got to be stewards of the inexhaustible supply of things to do. Someone out there needs to be encouraged, someone needs a phone call, someone needs a note, bake them a cake, I don't care what you do, share the gospel, invite them to dinner, cook them breakfast, I don't care what it is. We have to be about the business of being productive, not busy, and we need to be active, not idle. We need to be living, not dying. Why have you been standing here all day long doing Nothing. Call your grandkids. Send a letter of apology to somebody you offended. Plan something romantic for your spouse. We cannot rob the world of the power and the affection and the love and the grace and the generosity of God by worshiping idleness. Does that mean you're supposed to be doing something constantly? No, that's legalism. I'm not talking about that. Talk about spirit-led, purposeful living, tensionality, recreating the way things have always been or have been for a long time. Talking about the six and nine a.m.ers and not the noon and the three p.m.ers. Huh? See, the work is the reward. The work is the worship. The call to serve God is a gift of his grace. The ability to serve God is the gift of his grace. Being in the right state of mind to do the, word, the Lord's work is a gift of grace. To be mindful of the people around you. I think this is half, this is half of it right here. Um, I, I got a bunch of people around the table the other day and we collaborated for three hours about a topic. And there's think about Jesus. This is the thing about him. His day was decided early. The, the course and the trajectory of his day was decided early. His sensitivity to what was going down around him, to the people around him, to their countenance, to their ups and their downs, to their needs, it was decided early. The tone for his day was decided early. Once he embarked upon his day and all of Palestine came alive and people started sweeping off the sidewalks in front of their, their, their storefronts and, and you could hear babies crying and kids are going off to school, that's when he kinda knew. He was sensitive to everything around him. People were not projects, people were feelings, people were souls, people were hurting, people were excited, people were celebrating, people were dancing. He looked at people and he saw, because of his preparation and his intimacy with the Father early today, he saw where they were. Idleness walks among people and is just totally oblivious to where any and everybody else is. Idleness makes you self-absorbed, self-attentive, and totally oblivious to the things going on around us. I know you see the waitress, look again. Look closer. See, 
Early in the morning had I asked for a sensitivity by the spirit of the people that I encounter, I find myself much more sensitive. If you have no opportunities to do anything to advance the kingdom of God, there's a reason for that. It's not that the opportunities don't exist. It's that you're not prepared. Why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? I used to do this, and this, this speaks to the zeal. I had so much more zeal then than I do now. That's got to be scary. When I used to go into Walmart, I don't know why it was Walmart. I guess because I went there a lot. I would get out of the car, and I'd say, all right, what are we going to do? What's happening here, Lord? Going into Walmart, as you can see. Well, I always knew I was going to stop at the lobby. And I always knew I was going to spend about five or ten minutes in the lobby of the Walmart where all the kids, missing kids were on the wall. I don't think they're there anymore. And I was, oh, I'd always pray for those kids. Then when I went into the store, I was expecting. I was expecting to meet someone or say something, encounter somebody. Because I had asked for it. I was ready. And those opportunities found me, and I found them. They happened. And I found this is what makes life incredibly, incredibly exciting. Far from boring. If your Christianity is boring, (laughs) something's really wrong. If it's ho-hum, if it's rote, if it's the same year in and year out, something's not right. Not even close. It ought to be bewildering, challenging. It ought to cause you to grieve, celebrate, mourn. There are so many needs. This is an exciting faith, an unpredictable faith. This is a uh, surprising thing. This is a, this is a new, new way of looking at the world. We're recreating each and every day, not based on yesterday, but based on what God wants to do through you today. That's exciting. And who can say they haven't been hired yet? Oh my gosh, how many times in the New Testament do we have to read that we're already hired? You're a priesthood of all believers. You're a minister of reconciliation. You're an ambassador. You're, you're this, you're that. You're, we're all hired. We're all on the, on the payroll. We're, we're all in. That's it. I mean, it's like we're in. Like you don't have to go to personnel or anything. You're in. You accepted Christ, you're in. You're hired. That's it. That's the way it is. Why do I feel like I'm worthy of being hired? What does that have to do with it? Your feelings are irrelevant. I don't know if I'm really capable. What do you mean? Of course you're not. If you're looking for capability, you're gonna wait a long time. You're never gonna be capable of doing what God calls you to do. That's why he does it through you. All you are is a vessel. All I am is a vessel. 
See, all our job is, is to clean up the conduit. Get all the barnacles off the boat, so to speak. I, I, that's all we gotta do. I, I have to come up here, and I don't have to, but I stand up in this four foot area up here, right here. You know what I have to make sure I don't have before I even start opening my mouth? I don't have a bias towards anybody. I don't have an unresolved offense with anybody. I don't have anything to hinder or impede the ministry of the word. That's all I'm responsible for. Get rid of the clutter, pick up the laundry, get everything out of the way so the spirit of God can go whoosh. That's all we do, clean house. Who, who may ascend the hill of the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Yes, you're not capable, nor am I, nor will I really ever be. That's the point. Look back at the last five years of your life and think to yourself, what is the pericope of the last five years of my life? It's a fancy word. What has been the main purpose of the last five years of my life? What have I been basically all about? It's very telling, and there may not be one answer, there might be two, but it's very telling. You might find, some of us might find, that it's really been about us. Others may find that it's been about others to our own neglect. Others may find that it's all been about the Lord. That's good, but include your family too. It's, a, it's never the right answer, but it's always a telling answer, okay? So I know that this parable, and I know that every preacher who stands up and preaches this is preaching the same thing. This is about people who get saved early in life. Yeah, it is that, it is that. But there's some, over th some other things that just cannot be overlooked. You see, when we look at life, Typically speaking, Western civilization, Americans, Christian, evangelicals look at life. We look at it through a lens that we have been looking all at life through since we've been born. And what is that? Well, if you work hard enough, you'll earn something. You, you work often enough, you'll get this. And what is it really about? And, and Jesus is even telling this parable and he's having a hard time because he's trying to use a man's system to show somebody about grace. And it's, it's all he's got to work with. He's challenged in that way. See, the way God looks at it, God's giving you all that he wants to give you based on who he is, not what you've earned. So on one hand, we have to look at idleness, but at the same time, we have to look at everything that we've been given, we didn't really deserve. And we need him to continue to operate in that system because I'm not sure we actually want him to be fair with us. Even the people that were paid early in the day had an issue because they compared and contrasted themselves with everyone else. They got paid the same amount because that's the nature of God. That's the nature of God. 
I really hope you don't have a problem with this, but you're going to get blessed and blessed and blessed often, though you don't deserve it. The problem is you, you have to get used to that, but get used to it to, a, to an end, and the end is to do so with others. To bless and bless and bless and love and love and love, encourage and encourage and encourage others, though they don't deserve it. Because when we fail to do that, we clog up the conduit. We clog up the pipeline, and God can't work through us as much. We have relational issues that we have to resolve. I, it took me a while to get a hold of the grace of God. Because I, I felt like I was skating by, not really doing anything. And then I realized you can't do enough anyway. But the one thing I'm not allowed to do is nothing. Nothing. Nothing yields what? Nothing. Actually, it's a negative, because if we do nothing long enough, then we're the people who do nothing. Now we're behind before we ever start, because we're supposed to be the people who do something. And we lose credibility. So my prayer for you today and myself is that God will never be totally fair with us. But we'll travel light, not harboring resentment or bitterness, dealing with issues along the way. That whether we're early in life walking with Christ or late in life, we realize his grace is sufficient for each of us. And the kicker for it all, if anyone in the body of Christ is blessed, we should be happy, joyous. If anyone is honored, we should be happy, joyous, and privileged. Because we're all the same body. You know, I've, my guess is Billy Graham got a lot of compliments. I don't know, I'm just going out on a limb. How much of that encouragement and how much of those compliments really, at the end of the day, really should have been shared between who knows how many people? What would he have been without the prayer warriors, the trained counselors, the people that talked about the crusades for months in advance? No, I mean, that was a team effort. That was the body of Christ. That was a collective, collaborative, synergistic effort to see souls come into the kingdom of God. He just happened to be the dude up front. I've told you this story before, but it bears repeating. The woman who called his office every year for 20 plus years asking for his schedule and someone finally thought to ask the question why she did that. And she humbly answered that two weeks before every crusade she would rent a hotel in the same city as the crusade and pray for 14 days before it happened. Why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing, said the man. I don't want to do nothing, and I realize I can't do everything. But I know that life is full of doing something and being active and opportunistic. Because worship happens when the song starts, but 
Worship also happens when the day starts, when the workday starts, because work is worship. We have some guys working with us on the farm, and I say this all the time, work is worship. <laughs> and sometimes I've noticed, you know, some days are much more worshipful than others. It's kind of the way of it. But for the most part, we worship pretty good, pretty steady. Hey, 6 a.m.ers, somewhere out there this week is a 459er and a 3 o'clocker and a nooner. Let's help them out. Let's help them out. Let's help them get a full day's pay. Let's help them discover that God has for them any and everything they couldn't ever possibly earn but for his grace. And where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Amen? Someone out there needs you. Let's make sure in the morning we're asking for that opportunity so when it comes, we don't miss it. Because the day is coming when no man work.